0: Today's WGO podcast, I want to get into something that uh, that caught my eye earlier, uh, the tyranny of the majority, and and, and some warnings that uh, a Frenchman named Alexis de Tocqueville noticed and wrote about in this book called Democracy in America. I think he wrote it in 1835 to 1840-ish. Um, I'm going to actually get the audible version and re-listen and listen, quote, read it again. Um, I did read it years ago, and, and it's funny. The thing that stuck with me the most was this notion of the tyranny of the majority. And he was, he for all the things he noticed that were really interesting and positive about America and its huge, vast potential, he warned that, um, yeah, you could turn into a nation of nanny goats. <laughs> You know, a little bit more, uh, a little more humorous way to put it, and I see some of that now. Um, I, a friend of mine put up—he he runs one of the local live music venues—and with all this, uh, you know, this uh, COVID, what what have you that's going down right now, and, uh, and you don't know what this is, nor do I. I, I think it's a, there's a real biological threat for some, for sure, but I also think that uh, no crisis is wasted to to uh, dig in on power grabs and such you should be you should be very suspicious the whole thing's very very strange I, I, I jokingly said several times it it reeks of a of a thing to clean up lots and lots of debt because everything was kind of insolvent they just don't we just didn't tell each other that we didn't act like anything was wrong because it seemed like it was okay and we were preached at the stock market this and stuff but you know your school districts broke here in upstate New York uh, the city of Rochester just one school district. There's you know a hundred of them around here. Hundred individual school districts. It's a vestige of the old days. It's just kind of silly at this point. No one can afford it, but no one no one can look at it because it's too hard, or too scary, or too outside the box. So a bunch of a bunch of sheep, we just keep fucking doing what we do. So they, they spend like eight hundred million dollars a year. You can look it up. That's close to a billion a year. And it's funny those uh, people talk. Yeah, hey, um, the problem with education is that we need to spend more money. That's interesting because there's a lot of fucking money sloshing around there. Last time I looked, the, the United States it combined of all the districts spends like a trillion dollars a year. Something like that. It's like a trillion dollars a year. Close to it. No. For what? i mean what one could argue is a ginormous jobs program and bureaucracy that benefits those in the game you know people are probably going to criticize my relentless attack on schools and and think it's very ignorant especially because i have this southern twang in my voice and i'm do you know I, I want to have a unique my own style in this podcast and uh but i don't want to call it comedic uh, comedy or anything. I don't want to. I don't want to bill it that way because, you know, that's one of the flaws I have is that people have taken their news and their analysis and opinion, and from uh, stuff off of Comedy Central at night for 20 years now, and and, it, and it's made them lazy. They sit there and giggle and laugh and <laughs> and, and, they, and they think they know everything. And I want to giggle and laugh too. Believe me, I think I I, I kind of forget about comedy uh, comedians. I I do. I forget about it as an art form. And every time I get back to it, I'm like, oh, my God. It's just like live music for me. I'm like, I'm glad people do this. I'm really glad. Humans need this really, like, just as much as anything. (laughs) You got to have this. These guys are critical. They do that work. So, But I've never viewed myself in that lens. It's just not something that was part of my uh, experience growing up. You know, see, I think I've got I don't know why. I just think I've got some residual sadness, some residual depression that I just never dealt with because I'm so full of energy and life and just wanting to do things that I just I don't know, I just never dealt with any of it. I just kept going. And I'm not trying to tell you that I had a terrible childhood. I mean, I, we all can make that argument. So don't be don't be a, don't be a puss. Stop whining. Could've been a lot worse, especially if you're an American. Unless you were really, 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 really in a dark place as a kid, like really abused physically or something, I mean, we were, we all had levels of things that weren't ideal because, that's, dude, that's it. That's nature. But if you were from this country, chances are pretty fucking good that you had a pretty good childhood. You didn't have any warring faction attacking you. Of course, the cities are a little different right now. I can see that. I, I lived in Baltimore for a little while. And, yeah, you can't really just chill out as a kid in some of those neighborhoods. You're going to get drawn into some bullshit that you don't necessarily choose to do. And that's, that's a terrible thing, and we need to resolve that. Again, I'm pitching humanomics. Everybody has a nice, uh, you know, you hear me say American middle class lifestyle equivalent. Well, that would assume that people in Baltimore City all have a nice place, a dwelling, that's theirs, where they don't have to deal with fucking yahoo asshole bullies ter- 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 terrorizing them in their neighborhood. And I'm not just picking on that, and don't make it about race, don't be a fuck, don't be a fuck face first thing in the morning, don't be a fucker, hold on, I gotta get my coffee. So so I was saying, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't grab a nugget and turn it into something, see that's the problem in the whole country right now, every single thing somebody says, somebody turns it into some bullshit that distracts from what we were saying. <laughs> you know, you didn't, you, most of you didn't live in Baltimore City for a little bit. I did. And again, it was for economic reasons. I, I got wind of a place with a, with a with a girl I was with at the time who, uh, she actually thought she owned it. So I was like, oh, let's check it out. I looked at it. I was like, oh, uh, no. And then the more I marinated I was like, well, wait a minute. Me and my friend, we could work on it and bring it back to life. Because it didn't even have a front door on it when we started. It was literally a row house in Baltimore City on Pratt Street and I marinated on it for like six months. And we literally would go down there and park the car and kind of dip in there quickly. So we we didn't draw attention to ourselves because there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood. In fact, one of the times in the construction process, process, a bunch of kids kind of came out, came out of nowhere on bicycles and were kind of swarming around and kind of getting a little aggressive towards us. Uh, I'm guessing they were uh, local scouts for a drug drug operation nearby because it was a very uh, hot drug corner back then, um, and and the, my neighbors luckily who were in the drug trade, uh, Antonio was his name, he uh, said no 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 that's Mr. Boland you know because they knew me from the, the high school I taught at otherwise I probably would have never even hatched this genius plan <laughs> oh boy uh, anywho. Uh, you know, they, and they left me alone, and but we worked on this place. We would we get out of the car and run and kind of run into the house because it was right you know right down the street from the parking, so to not draw attention to ourselves for a lot of reasons. And then eventually we had our front door kind of rigged up on the front so we could kind of close the door and, and lock it. And you know, still anybody can get in, they could get in. That's just the case any, anywhere. But um, yeah, they, you, we just. Uh, started removing trash for months. I mean, it was just loaded with trash. It had been used as like almost like a damn dumpster. I mean, it wasn't like bags of trash of uh, garbage. It was like debris, like wood, just everything. Shit from people's houses. I mean, oh my God, it took forever. But we cleaned it all out, and we got it all vacuumed out and just scrubbed out. I mean, it took a long time. It was basically just an empty shell. And then I kind of put it, started putting it back together. I had to put bathroom in it, had to run some power, had to uh, remove some stuff, had to remove several ceilings. They were rotted out, and they were lath and plaster, I believe is the correct word. That was a pain in the ass. Probably have some undiagnosed lung ailment from that one. Fucking shit everywhere demoing that bad boy. Even with a mask thing, with the little, little canisters that the, the society seems to want us to all put on now with the fucking walk around uh, yeah, yeah, you still got black shit everywhere, it was unbelievable, but, you know, eventually we got to where it was actually livable, and, uh, and, I lived there for a year and a half, and, uh, but the reason I'm bringing this story up is, like, I can remember as that was ending, because the relationship, uh, <laughs> didn't go the way I wanted it at the time, but it was probably for the best, uh, at the time it hurt my it broke my heart, know, it upset me and felt very betrayed. But it doesn't you know, whatever. I would drive around, because I was sad then. And man, oh, like a Sunday morning, I'll never forget I was driving in, in Baltimore City and, and you know, a bunch of kids are beating this kid up like on a street corner. Like 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 a bunch of you know, wolves. You know, probably some kid owed him money or something. And this is after I had had gone to a 7-Eleven Seven Eleven one night, and one of my students, Marcia, had come up and said, "Hey, man, did you hear about Reds?" And I was, and it was this kid named Devin. And I was like, "No, no, 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 no!" You know, because Devin was somebody in my class that I'll tell you that story in a minute. She goes, "Hey, he got he got shot. He was dead." I was like, "No shit!" You know, like, "Wow!" And I, these are just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I heard the gunfire many many times. In a, in a year and a half, two years, I was there, one, two, three, four different. Uh, gunfire incidents, including a, uh, a two fairly large gun battles, one of which was two friends next door shooting at each other. And one got he got shot in the back. It didn't kill him. <laughs> I remember that shit, too. Raising the window up at 2 o'clock in the morning going, what happened, Roslyn? Lady next door. Oh, Tony got shot. And it was the, the, the dude Mike did it. Unbelievable. You can't make this shit up, dude. My point is, is that Unless you grew up in that, and there's a lot of reasons for that, by the way. Mostly economic, though. Mostly economic. But if you didn't grow up in that, then you had a pretty good childhood. I don't want to hear about you whining about this or that. Okay? You got to do like I do. You got to take what you got and make, and and now you got the ball. And run with it, motherfucker. But the tyranny of the majority. Let me get back to that. So, the context at which uh, this club owner, this place, you know, he would get great live music. Good, good bands come through there. A lot of you guys don't know about live music because y'all don't leave the house, or when you do, you go watch cover bands. You should, you should do what my heart told me to do back in two thousand five, when I briefly lived in Vermont, and I was very depressed. I was the implosion of that relationship had me into big depression, and I. Took a took a took a li- gamble. listened to my sister to get the hell out of Baltimore. So I quit trying to go back to that relationship because I was, you know, strangely trying to make that work when she clearly didn't want it to work. Uh, and my father lived in Quebec at the time. He, li- he looked. He lived in uh, had a job in Montreal and a place out in the countryside near the Vermont border. And I'd go. I went up there just to kind of seek refuge, but I couldn't stay because. I couldn't relax because I, I, I needed money. I, my car insurance was due, and I had already, you know, I think I mentioned in an earlier story, I'd already been threatened by a guy in Baltimore that if my insurance expired again, he was going to put me in jail. I mean, it was serious shit back in fucking Maryland. And uh, you know, I needed to call. I wanted my insurance. Plus, if you let it expire, you just incurred the wrath of hell on finances. They would just find the shit out of you, to, you know, just drown you in it. So. Um, so yeah, I took a job. I was like, I gotta work, and I started poking around Vermont because it was right there, you know. And uh, lo and behold, started getting jobs and opportunities. And one thing led to another, and by May of that year, I was on my feet. I had two jobs, and things were looking up. And I ended, it ended up being the best job I'd ever had. Um, and it was all just digging in, grabbing shit, one thing led to another and boom, go. Probably do something similar process right now cuz I'll have to find something else because y'all ain't supporting this. I mean, I get it. It's the timing's not good. There's a million people asking you to subscribe to their channel or you know, do their patrons. I get it. I'm trying to support a couple artists myself right now, but you can't do them all and you can't do it all significantly. So You know, it's uh, I'll go through a similar job process just to kind of keep some money coming in. But my point was I went to, um, sat there depressed, was depressed as shit for a while, but I finally got kind of got back on my feet. I had a job. Two jobs, and then I kind of let the other one go as it does. The other one ramped up, and I got qualified and stuff. It was a railroad gig. My first railroad job was a train dispatcher, and I needed—I got my own apartment there. And at the time, I wanted to play drums. Still, I kind of had this drum thing lingering forever. I mentioned a little bit yesterday that I had bought this drum when I lived in Baltimore City, and had gotten a taste of playing drums. I was playing drums. With my friend Bob, who's kind of like Bob Dylan, really, he's kind of a folk guy. He's not a rocker, but I take what I can get. I was just so excited to be playing, and it was exhilarating. And I dragged that drum with me to on these moves. It was one of my few possessions. I didn't really have much. I had a computer, my books, clothes, and, and this raggedy, shitty-ass drum. It was like a no-name CB drum, I think. Two hundred bucks I paid for it, and um, so. My choice of apartments was governed by where I thought I could play my drum. And I got this little, it was a winterized cabin in this small, mostly a little resort thing called Taylor Place, I think was the name of it. It was up north of Swanton, Vermont, right near the US border, or uh, Kennedy border. And it was fucking lonely, man. I had a neighbor named Rick who had a couple kids and he was really struggling economically. And I was struggling too still. I've always been really struggling. And I think it's because I just try to live life right up to the edge of what I can get away with. And then the, the bills are just so high that you really can't do that. so you just inevitably just in, incur the wrath of hell all the time. But really struggling, and, but, but, but I was on my feet. I had my place, and I you know I had a little bit of I was starting to recover a little bit of sanity on the situation. And um, but I was really depressed and sad and, and very lonely and I'm okay, I'm a loner anyway to a, to a certain degree. I, I think if you're a thinker you end up you end up being a loner because you start to view social stuff as distractions and noise and you like it but you, but you also like to get to, to go away from it and go back to, to I call it the Jerry bubble. I mean you got yours too if you just listen to it and trust it for a minute and get through the weird patch of being alone I used to go to movies by myself all that stuff but anyway so that night I was like it was kind of getting sick of myself and I was like dude you're going out tonight I know it seems ridiculous Jerry it's 8 o'clock on a winter cold winter night Vermont cold winter night because I think I had worked it must have been the fall because I remember being chilly a little bit chilly and it was dark definitely dark Maybe it was the fall. I probably wasn't dead of winter yet. I probably didn't wait that long. But long story short, I went out. I got in my little fucking Dodge Colt, little, little small hatchback car, and drove my ass down to Burlington, Vermont. And I had not done any of this before. I had maybe gone to Burlington. I'm sure I had maybe gone to a movie or something, but I had not done this. And I think I always did like live music, but I was never into it like, I, like it became. But I went out that night, and I parked in front of a near a place called Nectars. And it's a pretty, pretty famous place there in, in Burlington. The band Fish used to play there, I believe. They, I think they started there, actually, in that area. They're from Vermont, I believe. Trey and Anastasio. And um, so, yeah, I went out. And I didn't go into Nectar's actually. I went upstairs, was a place. I don't know what provoked, pro- again, I don't know what, uh, where my gut got all these ideas from, but, it, but it, they, they were there. And uh, went upstairs. Wasn't a big drinker back then, but I do remember it was dead. May have been more like seven now that I'm thinking about it. May have been more like seven o'clock, a little on the early side, because nobody was there yet. So it must have been like seven. Could have been eight, but I think it was like seven. Anyway, get up there and I ordered a Corona. Don't know why. ordered a Corona beer. This girl comes out of nowhere. She was one of maybe three other people in this place, in the bartender, and she orders a glass of wine. I look at her and smile, and she looks at me and smiles. She was she was pretty. But I wasn't there to pick up girls. I was that had not thought crossed my mind at that point yet. I was there just I was kind of in a stunned human state. And, and I was there to, to watch live music. I wasn't there to meet people so much. So I was high and sat down, pulled up a I think it was just a, a high top table if memory serves me right sat down and about an hour later her band performs and they were really good like really moving like it was like instantly my soul was healing I felt like that kind of feeling well it turns out that was Grace Potter and I don't follow all of her work I understand she's a tremendous vocalist but this band was a side project it wasn't Grace Potter the Nocturnals, but I believe her guitar player, his name was Scott Tarot. I only know that because she announced it, and he was the focus of my attention that night. And I was not a guitar player at the time, at all. But he was great. He was really interesting, very moody, very, it was just very healing, listening to it. I, wasn't, I instantly didn't feel lonely as much anymore. felt happy. You know, and I share that with you because it ties back to the story about the tyranny of the majority here locally, and this this guy who owns a music venue here, at the Montage, and and uh, of how you know he's concerned that people are are going to say, oh, you know, somebody doesn't have a mask on, or up, oh, somebody doesn't have something, and rat them out and get the place shut down or vi- or fined, and because of this COVID madness that we're dealing with right now. Um, And we're not allowed to see the obvious that no no one with our own two eyes is around us is sick. That's the weirdest fucking thing of it all. It's like I don't doubt that people are sick. I don't doubt that people are dying. I just haven't seen any of it yet up here. And we were supposedly severe at one point. It was mostly New York City, but... Again, the tyranny—you're not allowed to not see the carnage that doesn't exist. Well, that's gonna piss some people off. That little comment. Isn't it? Woo! Woo! Look out! Anyway, my point was, the tyranny could very well be 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 another blow to a guy who's trying to run a club. And most of you probably don't give a shit because most of you don't know the magical power of that live music because you go to these you know, like the fairport music fast and all, and you'll know, watch cover band after cover band after cover band and get and drink your fucking whatever the fuck you drink you know and just slosh around with your with your girlfriends or whatever and you know and, and the sad thing is there's like you know 10,000 people will go to that motherfucking thing. But when, when we go to these clubs at Montage, you, you know, if you're pulling 50 or 100 or 200 people one night, you're, you're kicking some ass. I mean, that's like, you know, I think the max capacity of the venue is 400. Oh, shit, road closed. damn, I point on that, let me turn around. Um. So yeah, the tyranny of the majority has real consequences for people, and that story about Vermont, you know, uh, I, my my point of bringing that up is I, I I'm guessing that none of you, very few of you, have done that. Like you've that you've gotten to a point where you're like, you know what? I just I need to do something different. I need to I need to get out. I need to go. You know, it doesn't have to be a concert, but I do recommend it. It's you know, as a as a as an art lover. Very few things excite me as much, or you know, did as going to movies, all kinds of movies, foreign movies, independent film, big blockbusters, even though I found some of those to be incredibly boring after a while. But, um, used to love going to a movie by myself, munching my popcorn away from people. Just fucking get away. Don't go when it's packed on a Friday night like a retard. Going like a fucking Tuesday, you know, at, at, at 11 or noon or 1 when there's you and 18 people in this big room and you got it to yourself, then you can fucking relax and not worry about everybody else for two hours. And you'll, trust me, even if the movie's shit, you're gonna come out of there feeling a little bit relaxed and happier. The only drawback to it is, that for me, my uh, the nature of my skin, I, gotta, I like to take a shower after that because I don't eat the butter on the popcorn, but there's something about the oils and the popcorn and I just, yeah, I don't like the feeling of feeling all schmaggy. You know, I like to fucking feel like nice and clean. Eh, that's my thing. Uh, I never claim to be uh, normal, <laughs> but yeah. So the the movies, going to fucking movies by yourself and shutting the fuck up and trying to absorb a piece of art, and going, go to you know go to go to museums and stuff. That's awesome. Go go walk around, read plaques, read them, think about it, ponder, listen to books. Because you don't have the time or temperament to sit and read in our modern society. It's not the best form factor. Sitting and reading sounds good. and It's what we're told we're supposed to do. Read books, read books. Listening to books, trust me. For about half you motherfuckers, you'll like it better. Your ears can do it faster than your eyeballs sometimes. Same material, same thinking. It's just coming at you different. It's going in a different hole. You dirty bastard. <laughs> so, yeah, live music. You you, for, so you forget about that one. Or, or you've only done shit your friends did. You know, like, I hate to knock this, but in my family, there haven't been that many live music folks. And when they do, it tends to be the big hits. Like, uh, my sister's been... To, with the cold play when it was big, you know, cold play. and People were like paying like a thousand bucks for the night and whatever man, it's her thing. She likes Celine Dion. Whatever, man, it's her thing. And I ain't knocking that. My brother would you know, would go with his friends and he'd go to Hootie, Hootie and the Blowfish or some shit. I've been trying to get him for years. I tried to talk him into, you know, going to Kill Switch Engage in Chicago. He lives in Chicago. Like, dude go to Killswitch you'll love it. Let's go by yourself fucking drink beer fucking do a pong rip fucking go see Kill Switch you won't be sorry you know something like that something that's electric you know something that's really on fire but what else And I'm not trying to sell. It's not a superiority kind of statement. I'm not trying to sell you on on the live music because I think that my type of live music is the only way to go. I just think that, that the the scenes, and the craftsmanship, and the work ethic involved with the the scene that I've been into uh, for a while is grossly undervalued in the United States. I mean, it's valued enough to be something, but it's not valued enough to have any kind of money in it. And it's it's really sad because. It it is it is so much more. It resonates so much more than just kumbayaing yourself around. And <laughs> I mean, I guess if that's what you need to, to feel like I'm going to a happy place, then do it. But that heavy shit, man. I'm telling you, dude. It's not negative. I mean, some of it, I guess, is negative and dark and angry. Uh, but I would I would argue that it helps you exercise that very real part of being a human out of your system. I mean. You, you have never seen a dog growl. <laughs> you, you, don't pretend like you can beat the nature out of something. Just because you don't like it or you're not comfortable with it. You know, we're too soft, man. All of us are too, way too soft. I'm one of the worst offenders. I'm soft as fuck. And I'm just, I don't like it. I don't like that about myself. I, I, <laughs> I want to be more like Jocko. A little more like Jocko. And I know I'm nowhere near that because that's just not what I am. I can be more like that, Jocko. Certainly, can be disciplined like Jocko, or adhere that discipline equals freedom as a mantra. I'm fucking right, it's true. But the tyranny of the majority could very well kill. It is killing something that I, I that I care deeply about, which is live music, not recorded music, not. YouTube. So don't give me your your uh, your your tyrannical leftist bullshit about you could just watch it on YouTube and scare about people and save the universe. Fuck you, man. You could also shut the fuck up. Let's figure out if this is even something that's really a threat for most of us, and get back to fucking going and pulling up a, 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 a chair on a random Tuesday night and watching fucking original music. What's wrong with that? Brings people together. Helps people with mental mental issues not feel so fucking lonely. Well, the tyranny of the majority is killing it right now. It's killing it. And, and it's turning into something that becomes like a thing if you stand up for it. Sitting around watching music on your computer is not the same as going to a club or a good venue and seeing and experiencing and smelling and just fucking walking around and being on your fucking feet instead of sitting on your ass. It's not the same, people. It's just not. We have to beware of the tyranny of the majority. So it just dawned on me, you know, something I want to do with this is because I do realize, I, I don't know why my uh, mind works the way it does, but I don't fully digest things that I read in such a way that I can articulate all the finer points and details back to you. But I aim to. And maybe a more efficient way to do that is when I when I add something to my list. And in this case, um, all the German philosophers of the eighteen hundreds, including Nietzsche, Heigel, Freud, and I mentioned the other day uh, Karl Marx and Engel, Friedrich Engel. Um, I'm not saying I believe all those. I'm just you're all right. All right take everything and about. I'm just going to take this stuff, listen to it, talk to you about it. That's phase one because that's what I need to do first. Then seek out. Experts on these, not just one, multiple, and periodically revisit them with them. Let's talk about that. Because, look, people will say that when that was 1835, electus to Tocqueville, that doesn't really apply today. If democracy in America doesn't, I, I don't know. I don't agree with that. I think actually, if he was here and observing things the way he was then, and we were already starting to take form of what we ended up becoming then. Then I think you could strip away a lot of the fancy trappings of today and actually see today more clearly. Would be my argument, because you could see some of the roots, of sprouts of what became the trees. You'd see where the where the trees came from. The trees are our modern industry and our status quo today. Beware of the tyranny of the majority. Beware that that you hobnobbing and, and and just jointly agreeing because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings becomes a form of tyranny because you prevent people from speaking the truth or you prevent people from the, the liberty to try and figure things out or strike a new area. You, it, you start to make everything too uniform and then you use the technology, you use our IT to suppress dissent and to suppress ascension because you might be working for a power structure that you can't see because you're blind to your own shit. So you are doing their bidding by being scared to, to speak your mind. Yeah, are to r- r- ruffle any feathers. Well, you know what? Even being a little fucking nanny goat puss, you're going you're gonna to fucking ruffle feathers, man. That's what's going to happen. It's inevitable because everybody's a little whiny bitch, including myself. So don't be a fuckface face. And laugh a little bit. Laugh at me. It's funny. It is funny. You're not, so, oh, I'm not, I can't laugh at that. I'll support, that's supporting it. Oh, I hate this guy. I'm supposed to hate this guy. I'm supposed to hate this fucking guy. Really? I'm supposed to hate according to who? Uh, yeah, these signs, man. <laughs> sign people. Uh, they, 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 some things I've identified. The dog people and the sign people here lately. And the exercise people. Like, I look, I'm going to take my walk in a minute. and We need to do it. But some of them it's like, they, 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 they turns it turns into shitting on people that don't, you know, don't do exactly what they do. Everything, everything turns into somebody shitting on you. Or uh, what's the, shaming you, shaming you, yeah, shaming. Oh, they've got to sign up. Uh, they, they'll think I'm not supporting it if I don't put a sign up. I've got to show my support too. So saw, saw the sign people like uh, last month there, vote yes for stealing more of my money for schools. <gasps> you, you kids, you don't support education, you're ignorant. You're ignorant. Listen to how you sound. You can't even enunciate clearly. For the record, I I haven't, I, I may even have a throat issue that I don't know, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna go get it diagnosed because, or looked at because some some, credentialed, overly credentialed medical expert could just cut my fucking throat out and stick a voice box in there or some shit. No, seriously, they probably would be, I see some cancer. I need to cut you open and stick a fucking plastic tube in your fucking throat so you can do your podcast sounding like fucking R2-D2. That, that, they scare me. Years ago, when I got sick with a colitis flare, because of the stress of economics, by the way, that's all it was, and that, that's why I'm angry at that institution too, because it's schools, I, I'm going to keep picking on you, but I'm coming after you too, you medical fucks. Yeah, yeah, you medical fucks. You guys are on a fuck. You guys like, I got all the fucking money right now. Y'all have had the money for about 10 years now. You're, you're building shit, you got buildings all over this fucking place. You got University of Rochester Medical Center. Oh, we care. All over the fucking place. You fuckers, if it wasn't for me standing up for myself and, and being like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. You fuckers, for one, you denied that stress had anything to do with colitis, which is just not true. And you can pour every fucking Harvard goddamn doctor down my dick, and I will fight you with that till the day I die. I know economic stress, the pieces of life not coming together, having my car repossessed back then. This was like uh, 99-ish, 2000, right when I started teaching in Baltimore City. It was my first year teaching. Fucking third month in, they steal my fucking car because I was late on car payments because I didn't get a check for a couple weeks. And I know, you right-wingers, Well, you should've fucking been more disciplined with your spending. Fuck you, man. They could've waited. I had been late on that loan so many fucking times, and I was, it was three months left, and I was gonna pay it, okay? And it had a lot of shit in it in the trunk that I needed for teaching that you guys stole, by the way. I was too scared to even go find my fucking car and try to get my shit back. I have no idea where it went. But that cascaded into my first colitis flare the stress was too much, and my body shut down because I was approaching. I was in my late twenties then. And long story short, years later, I've had I think three of these now, three major ones. One, two, three, four actually, four of them. One was minor, relatively minor, and one and went away on its own, total remission on its own. When I, when I, interestingly enough, it was when I went to Vermont. I was having another flare because of all the stress and things not working out, and, and be, that's why I'm doing this podcast. By the way, you, I haven't even really gotten into all those stories, and I have to share those stories because I have to let you know I am coming from a place, and my fire comes from a place that I know the bullshit of society kills, man. And if we don't get the economics right, it fucking it's it's totally robbing us of all of our all of our amazing potential. You have no idea because you're sitting there because you and your wife have that job and you got your Mercedes and you think everything is just peachy. Everything is peachy. Hey man. I told you earlier, I've told you before. It's good. It's certainly better than a lot of places on earth and we have potential to do a lot more. That's what I'm trying to stay focused on. If we let the tyranny just fucking, and we lock it in more with this coming election cycle, you know, you got choice between, uh, you know, God, I don't even know how to describe it at this point. Both of them are status quo. Both of them, the life for you is not gonna be a whole lot different. It's just one could actually make it even worse. And I think that's team D. I don't think Team R is going to make it worse. I think Team R is more of the same, which is, I'm, you hear me bitching about it right now. They damn near killed me four times. But Team D, they they, they make it worse because they, they love the big bureaucracy and stuff. And As long as they get a post for all their uh, main minions, their squeaky wheels, that shit could go on for a long fucking time, folks. But I'm coming from a place of a guy who damn near got uh, taken out by this stuff, and it was a bullshit. Doctors say it's not stress. No, 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 no. And they want to put you on all these medicines and stuff. But they, much like the throat thing that I'm fearful of getting a medical opinion about, like why do I feel a little fatigued in my throat a lot? And you know, do is, are my vocal cords shaped a way that causes me to enunciate things a certain way and sound weird to people? I don't. I don't know. I think it just sounds unique. I, mean, I just, I'm just fearful. I've done damage. I mean, I, I used to wolf down fucking cigarettes all the time. Well, I, 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 oh, that's you deserve it. You deserve throat cancer because you smoked. Fuck you. That's right. Fuck you. Colita stuff I I, as luck would have it my stepmother was from Illinois and she knew through some connection the year that I Chris and I lived in Peoria before, before kids I worked for the railroad we moved to Peoria Illinois for a year job didn't really work out wasn't a good fit but I got very sick that year because I couldn't make it work. I couldn't make. It, I couldn't get the job moving. I couldn't do the job. It was kind of a bullshit job, really. It was, it was a, that's why I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure out the bullshit. But my stepmother had a connection to a doctor who was renowned. he still is today in this field of gastroenterology. Enterology. His name of Dr. Hanauer, and he did the same course or everything. He did. They um, do which explains me being a fat, a fatty, a little bit. I mean, I'm not a fatty. I call myself a fatty, but I'm like I weigh 225. I should weigh 200. Just because I don't want a belly. Like I, it's not a jiggly. It's just a kind of a pop belly thing. And I guzzle beer. So fuck you. Don't give a shit. Rocket the, the Matt Pike look. You don't know who Matt Pike is because you're too busy fucking listening to Hootie and Blowfish and fucking some other retard. Uh, that's not fair. That's not nice. That's not nice. Um. Yeah, so we go over there, he prescribes prednisone, which is the course for these things, to kind of get it into, rem, uh, into remission. And, you know, I felt like a million bucks, high as a kite, all that stuff. I mean, you don't get high like stone. You get, like, high. I got high, I get hyper-energetic. I, I get, like, woo, let's paint the house. <laughs> Shit like that. But, um... Puts me on that, and it puts me on a pretty fucking strong dose of it, and it didn't really help. It helped some, but not really. And then that was the first time I ever heard somebody say that, well, you know, if we can't get it under control, we'll have to take your colon out. And you'll have to have a colon, you know, a a bag. And I was like, huh? See, I'd already been through this twice, and knew that I could come out of it. Or knew I could snap back a little bit. I don't, if, I don't know if I've ever snapped back 100%. But you get back quite a bit. And he put me on a biologic, which caused a lot of side effects in the end. But, you know, it was that, that was the soup de jour. That's what everybody was buying into. And that's what everybody was pitching and selling and doing. And, and I think it was working for some people. And that was a fucking weird scene too, man. You, you you get infused every couple of months with God knows what. I don't even want to know. Probably fucking mouse droppings. Who the fuck knows? Liquefied mouse shit. I, I have no idea. And you don't either, by the way. You take all this shit. You don't even fucking clue what it is. Probably it's either nothing. It's probably a blue sugar pill, or or uh, you know. Or worse. some It's some... I don't know. I don't want to shit on it cause some of the drugs work, obviously, sometimes. But a lot of it's bullshit, though. A lot of it's bullshit. More is, more is bullshit than not. So, anyway, it should be open book anyway. That's why, you know, to, to get the bullshit down for me, then I need, I need to do the work and understand the lay of the land of med- medicine enough so I can start speaking a little more intelligently about that. Because uh, that is, that the bio, biology and medicine are some of the worst the areas of my knowledge. I just have never spent that much time in those ponds. And I'm sure some, some leftist, aggressive leftist fuck is going to, well, you shouldn't say shit about it if you don't know nothing. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. There's some good, there's some not so good. Okay, shut up. I'm living proof right now. They didn't need to cut my fucking guts out and make me shit in a fucking plastic bag fuckface. Okay? Maybe that day will come eventually. I don't know. don't feel like it will. I feel like your body can heal to a certain measure. I'm sure they would do that too. I'm sure they would... That's an ignorant statement, Mr. Bowen. That's an ignorant thing to say. Fast forward to it when I moved up here, and when I moved up here, I got sick again. It's always these major job transformations when the stakes are high, the money's dried up, and you're freaking out a little bit, you can't make it work. It's always economic, hence the rage, frustration. So, moved up here, took a job. Here was a different set of stressors, but it was equally challenging, and I had no clue what the fuck I was doing. And yeah, I I was hired as a project support engineer. Strange title in hindsight, became Technical Services something. got sick. I'm thinking about it. It conjures a bunch of thoughts, man. And I try to think about why, why, why everything's been such a struggle for me. And if the extreme struggle that I've experienced and gone through, if I'm just, uh, projecting that on the world and projecting that on you all, that's something, you know, you always have to kind of contemplate and reflect on, right? Cause we all going to think our motives are pure. We're all going to think we're not full of shit. And that we might be on to something that someone else is not. I got sick. And this last round almost killed me because I didn't. I went The nature, the timing of the move, I didn't want to slow down. The stakes were higher. We, we left. a fairly cushy situation in Florida to pursue an opportunity up here. And at the minute I got here I realized the company was on a little bit more shaky ground than I knew and I went after it. I was, you know, I, was a, I was a little bit abused coming in by, by the technocrats that I have a problem with. I was a little bit abused, treated, treated pretty shitty in some cases, but I, I didn't give up. I kept going. I kept finding the right people to, to mentor me and to get me up to speed. And, and I would volunteer and just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. I was never very good at it, but I kept doing it. Didn't give up and spun it into my first decent paying job, big, bigger paying job. I made close to $100,000 a year there because I'd stay working on overtime all the time. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. But I got sick. This stress did it to me again. And waited and waited and waited and I would go on jobs. I remember went out to Idaho for a job. And having to sit down because I was I was starting to collapse after any kind of physical exertion. I thought it was maybe the elevation at first, but it was my body was becoming very weak. And I was traveling a lot then I traveled to Texas, San Antonio for a job. And I traveled to, um, that Idaho job. And, um, yeah. It was pretty scary. And when I finally slowed down, that was the problem. I didn't want to slow down. I finally slowed down. medical assistance. I was almost dead. They did some blood stuff and said, "You know, you lost so much blood, you're almost dead." So I had to have iron infusions to bring me back from the brink. And then they put me on prednisone again, and this substance, this drug called Lealda, And tried to put me on. Well, I was on for a couple of years. This thing called Azathioprine after the predazone and you go on these maintenance drugs. and he's also threatened to take my uh, colon out scopes me every year says it's not bad right now but I, I do always have a tightness The stress never really goes away. Probably in the end, it'll be what kills me, I imagine. I'll probably die of colon cancer or something like that. I don't know. You never know. You never know what's going to get you. we got to get the numbers right, folks. I know I'm not the only one, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have been bitten, and I'm thankful to have had turmoil, and I'm thankful things weren't ideal because it forced me to do things, and I believe that I've benefited from that. I believe that the, I was able to get human insights that would not have been obtainable any other way. I don't want to do bullshit anymore. Sitting there watching these guys do this roof up here, and I'm glad they're they're glad they have, they have they have they have a job today. They're putting a roof on the school. School budgets are unlimited. You see, they they spend money like it's going out of style. They do. They get the top line shit. School budgets. But they're putting a roof on the school. Well, what saddens me is these guys. They're up here in the heat. They'll all get. I don't know. A couple hundred bucks at the end of the week net. And they might have another job or two lined up after that. But as soon as the work dries up, it's done. Alright. I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm going into a pretty deep reflection mode right now. Y'all have a good day. Alright, take care.